Good evening. I want you guys open your Bibles to Matthew 11, verse 29. Um, while you're turning there, real quick, um, August 6th, we're planning on taking the high school youth uh, to Wild Waves for a trip. It's uh, a week from Saturday. We announced it uh, last week. Um, we're asking if you have permission slip from your high schooler as a parent, um, let, please get that back to us by Sunday, next Sunday, so we know how many um, are coming. Also, uh, we asked before, but uh, there's still a possibility we may need uh, another vehicle to transport some of the kids in. So if you're able to help, or even if you just want to loan us your vehicle for a day, um, please talk to Marielle and I. Um, and uh, we'll get that worked out. So Matthew 11, verse 29. Jesus is speaking here. Uh, you guys know this verse. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Lord, we do recognize as your children, Lord, if we've placed our faith in you, that our salvation rests on nothing but your blood, on nothing but the work that you've done on the cross on our behalf to pay the price for our sins, to bring us from bondage to sin and death into a new life in you through the cleansing work of your blood on the cross, cleansing us from sin, uh, for uh, providing the way for us to salvation and eternal life in you, Lord. It's because of your work and who you are and what you've done, Lord, that we have anything in this life. We ask that you would help us as we look at your word, as we study and continue to look at discipleship and what it means, what it looks like to be a true disciple of yours, following you, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit uh, through your word, Lord, and that we would hear, be those learners that you've called us to be. We ask this in your name. Amen. So here, Jesus, again, uh, this is a well-known verse, you know, verse 28, right before the context, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as we're looking at being a disciple, one of the things that a disciple is, is a learner. Um, somebody who is submitted to a master, to a teacher, to learn from them, to, to live alongside them, to walk with them, to dwell with them, and to learn behaviors, learn truth, learn uh, their way of life. That's being a disciple, to learn, to follow. Um, and so as I was studying, as I was preparing, this was a verse that the Lord brought to my heart. 
here is Jesus, what he's saying here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, he says. That picture is a picture of a team of oxen. Uh, A yoke was a a wooden beam uh, with some sort of uh, collar type uh, part on it that would go around a team of oxen. And uh, it was used to then pull heavy loads, uh, you know, a wagon or a plow or something else like that. And uh, as Jesus is speaking here, he's speaking to his listeners this very important illustration of um, a oxen with a yoke on who would be a more experienced ox and then someone who is less experienced or another ox that is less experienced being then yoked together to do the work together and to be trained. So that was what uh, farmers, what the people in that day did with a a younger, lesser experienced ox was to team it up with a more experienced ox Um, and uh, would then allow the more experienced the, the stronger the uh, ox who had been trained um, and, and, and in essence broken uh, to teach the younger, unruly, lesser trained, less experienced ox how to bear that load. It would also give uh, the, the weaker ox time to grow and, and grow accustomed and become strengthened in the work that was before them. Uh, Jesus, he says, take my yoke upon you. He's already bearing that yoke. And, and he says, come, you join with me. Come in under my yoke. It's easy. It's light. Learn from me. And, and, and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus is speaking to the people, say, you've been laboring uh, before Christ came, the, the uh, relationship to God the Father was a relationship of sin and law. And, and a relationship of, of being in submission to the law and the commandments of God. And when Jesus came and he paid the price for the sins and fulfilled the law that could not be fulfilled by the people, then uh, he bore the weight of obedience and and submission to and fulfillment of the law in the work on the cross. And so we as believers, as we come to him, of course, then we are submitted to that work that he's done. And now we're following him. It's an action as we take his yoke upon us. It's an action of willfully submitting to God's will. It's a choice that we make a choice of our heart, of our will, of our spirit, submitting to God's will by choosing to learn with Christ, to, to bear his yoke with him. And that would be through knowing him intimately. This ox, it's a team up to get, teamed up together. They're close together. Their body is rubbing together, sweating together, working together, getting dirty together doing the same work, the same goal, the same direction. And that's what Jesus has called us as disciples to be and to do, is to come alongside him, to know him 
intimately to be trained by him, to follow him. And that's what he's called us as Christians to do. Uh, It's a similar picture, I believe, that Christ gives. As I was looking at it, take my yoke upon you, I was thinking of that heavy wooden beam that would be resting on the shoulders of this team of oxen. And it reminded me of Christ as he bore the beam of the cross and went forward. Luke 14, 27, you guys know this verse. Jesus says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple, is what Jesus says. Whoever does not bear his cross. Uh, It's, again, an action of submission uh, to death. Death to flesh, death to self, death to your own will and desires, and following Christ in submission to God. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me. If you notice here, it's, it's in a continual tense here, the verbs. Bearing that cross. Coming after him. Unless we do that, willfully submit ourselves to him, we cannot be his disciples. It's a choice. That means that what Christ says in his word, what the Bible says, what he's taught us as his spirit speaks to us as believers, if we're resisting him, we're not being his disciples. If we're not willfully choosing to obey him, repenting from our sins, choosing to give up uh, those things in our lives that we have not submitted to him, then we're not being his disciples. He says, does not, if whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's not just the act of dying, but it's the act of following. It's continuing in that, right? We're saved, yes, by faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We're saved, but salvation is more than just that initial act. It's following him. That's, again, he, he says this again in Matthew ten thirty eight says, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me, Jesus says. Matthew 16, 24, again, it says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Discipleship to Christ is denying ourselves. Modern Christianity says Jesus will give us our best life now that make us better people, make us better uh, in our jobs, better in our success in our lives, better in our relationships, and making what we have, what we want, what, what, what we're holding on to better when that's not what Christ has called us to. We're called to deny ourselves and submit to him, and then he lives his life through us. We're trained by him, following him. That's discipleship, is again submitting to him. And Luke 9, 23, he says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, Jesus says, daily. So again, it's not just a one-time thing. It's a daily willful submission to him. It's, it's allowing him to train us. When we want to go one way and Jesus wants us to go the other way, we feel that tension, that resistance of his yoke that we've chosen to put on us. 
and we obey. We turn with him. He's given us his Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, to give us personal convictions, maybe about things that are not sinful, but he's called us to live righteous lives, to live lives where we're dedicated to him. Where, where he's spoken to our hearts and said, you need to give up this thing that's taking your time away from me. That you need to give up uh, these freedoms and these liberties you have to follow me, to come after me, train with me, learn from me, he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, follow me. And he, he wants to train us. Now again, we have to be reminded as we look at this, denying ourselves, taking up a cross, those are heavy things. The beautiful thing is Christ paid the price for us so that it's no longer a heavy thing for us to go and to die. We repent of our sins. He paid the price for us. And now he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's the work he does. He gives us the strength. Remember the picture. It's a stronger, well-trained oxen helping bear the brunt of that load. And we're along with him, following with him. In essence, along for the ride, as long as we're not fighting against him. If we're, if we're submitted to him willfully, then he's doing the work. And, and his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. If we're resisting, there's tension. There's weight. There's a burden if we're resisting him. We need to count the cost to follow Christ. We need to ask ourselves, am I willing to take up my cross daily? Now, my cross, it does not mean, you know, this uh, burden of not having enough money to pay the bills or having a, a nagging wife or, or difficult children or some difficult circumstance in your life. That's not taking up your cross. Taking up your cross is saying, I need to die to myself and my will, my desires, and follow him. Am I willing to take up that cross? And as I take it up, Though it appears to be a heavy burden that's impossible to bear. But I take it up. And then I begin to experience that it's manageable. Because he's carrying it. It, it, It's an easy yoke of training. Am I willing to follow him? If I am willing then it becomes no longer this, excuse me, this heavy burden. But a work that he's doing in my life. It's him. That's what he says in John. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit, right? it's not us striving and straining, but it's making that choice to come alongside Christ, to follow him. And then we're reminded that we need to do this daily. It's being a true disciple of Christ, doing this daily, dying to ourselves. That's why we need to be in the word daily. The Lord has given us the Bible as a mirror for us to look into where we see the conviction of the Holy Spirit where we see those things that God is calling us to that, that we need to submit to him in, where we see the hidden sins of our heart, maybe those things that, that are not outward apparent things, even in some aspects to us, but maybe an attitude that we have or, or priorities that we've set for ourselves that are not his priorities. 
where then we, we study and we read the word and we go deeper with him and we're trained by him. And he shows us those things that we need to learn from him. We need to be in the word, people of the word. That's being a disciple, learning, training with him. And that training is, again, it's not just being in the word, but it's doing then. That's the following. We take up the cross and we follow him. As he tells us to, uh, uh, if, if our brother has anything against us, to go, confess our sin, repent, ask for forgiveness, Right to to have those actions where, where we're called to put off our old flesh and to now put on new life in Christ and then to walk in that new life and that righteousness. We're called to learn from Him to subject ourselves to the fulfillment of God's will by following Him by literally being yoked together with Him and, and by knowing Him, not just learning from Him. Or learning about him, but knowing him. To truly know Christ, that's discipleship. To experience life with him. To go to him in prayer as we face difficulties and trials. To go to him for our needs. To, to go to him in repentance if we've stumbled, if we've fallen, if we've sinned. To, to go to him uh, for in, in thankfulness, to praise him for the things he's done for us, to have that intimate, deep, close relationship with him. That's being discipled by him. As you read the New Testament, the Gospels, you look at the disciples. They were called to follow Christ. They were called to, to walk with him. They left what they had, and they went and followed him. They lived with him. They walked with him. They ate with him. They prayed with him. They went where he went. They were sent out by him and did the works that he told them to do. They experienced life with Jesus, and they were his disciples. And that's what he wants for us. Christ wants more than just our time on Sundays, our time on Wednesdays, our little devotion time at home. He wants our whole lives, and that's discipleship, is following him with our whole lives. He wants us to be lights and witnesses in school. In our workplace, in our families, in our neighborhoods. He wants us to be examples of his work in our lives where we're following him. That's discipleship. That's following him. He wants us to step out in obedient faith. We say we believe in God, but are we living out that belief in our lives? Where he's called us to deny ourselves. James says faith without works is dead. Right? Faith without works is dead. We say we believe in God. We say we believe him for our salvation. But are we, are we holding on to sin and not repenting of it? Because he's paid the price already for it. Are, are we taking at his word for his promises that he's given us? He's given us his Holy Spirit to give us the strength to resist temptation. The strength to walk forward. The strength um, to serve one another. To walk in love. He's given us all those things. And now we have a choice to willfully submit to him. And in willfully submitting to him and then stepping out in faith. Then that's the training that takes place as a disciple of Christ. To step out. To walk with him. To be obedient. To apply his word to our lives. 
to ask him for our needs, to trust him, to meet our needs, and to be thankful throughout. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, verse 17, he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, past that conviction, that sensitivity, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness, with greediness. That's what we're called to as disciples, to not walk as the rest of the Gentiles do, to not walk according to the world, to not walk in submission to the, the spirit of this age, to be different, not just different in a weird way, but different in submission to Christ, in service to him, in walking with the spirit, to have our minds renewed by the word of God. To have our, our consciences cleansed by submitting to uh, the teaching of God's word and the conviction of the spirit. To have our understanding then being lightened and no longer being alienated but being uh, abiding in the life of God. And then giving up those, those ways of sin, the way of our flesh, the old life. To no longer do that. And that's what he says. Verse 20 says. But you have not so learned Christ. I love that phrase. It doesn't say learned from. It doesn't say learned of. But says learned Christ. To learn him. To learn who he is. To learn what he's done. How he lives. What he wants for us. To learn about him. To know him intimately. And then he says. If indeed you have heard him. And been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That's the answer for our lives. The truth is in Jesus. We have questions about how we should live, what we should do, what God wants for us. The truth is in Jesus, in who he is. We have to submit to him. And then he says, this is the will for us. This is our action. Verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt. It's not just stagnant, it's growing corrupt, the old man, according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's we're supposed to not just put off, but put on the new man. See, our old flesh, it wants to resist the Lord. We want to, in our flesh, resist righteousness, resist holiness, resist what God has for us. But we willfully choose to take up our cross, to die to ourselves, to put his yoke upon us, and then we are now putting on the new man, which has been created by him in true righteousness and holiness, and then walking with him in that. And then we have the application, verse 25, it says, Therefore, here's what we do, put away lying. Don't lie. Be an honest person. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Are we honest people? 
Are we, at, at the smallest whim or opposition, more, more willing to, to say a white lie to avoid some difficult circumstance? To avoid fessing up to something that we did wrong? Or, or do we speak truth to one another? It says, for we are members of one another. We're, we're one body as believers, as Christians. Verse 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Are you holding on to anger, to bitterness? Has somebody done something against you, whether it's justified or unjustified, and you're angry, and you're holding on to it? That's sin. We're called as Christians. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Go to that person. Be reconciled to them. Whether it's your fault or not, you go to them in humility and you, re- you reconcile with them as much as is possible with you. Be humble. It says, nor give place to the devil. We know elsewhere in the New Testament it says, resist the devil and he will flee. Are we giving place to the devil in our lives and our hearts? Do we have room for temptation? Are we putting ourselves in situations where the devil can do his work in our lives? Or are we recognizing where he may have a stronghold in our lives and we're submitting that to Christ and resisting him, being obedient to him, not giving place to the devil? Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. Do we have a greedy heart where we're taking things that are not our own? Maybe it's not physical things, maybe it's time. It says, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. It's a practical thing to work with your hands. Do what is good. Do, do the good works. Do work for your life, for the things that God wants to give you. That he may have something to give to him who has need. As we labor, as we work, as we're willing to put in the effort just for our daily lives, the Lord blesses us with abundance that then we can bless others. That's being discipled by him. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. With our mouths, we sin so often, right? There's almost a whole chapter in James that talks about the tongue being like a wildfire, like a a rudder that steers a ship, like uh, like a uh, uh, bit in a horse's mouth for the bridle that turns the horse this way or that. Is our speech seasoned with grace, seasoned with love, speaking righteous, speaking what is good for necessary edification? Are we backbiters? Are we bitter in our speech? Are we crude? We need to ask ourselves these questions. Is what comes out of our mouth meant for the good of others, for necessary building up edification? That's what that means, to build up. That it may impart grace to the hearers. Or are we bitter and backbiting? Are we grumbling and complaining? In verse 30 it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Bible's clear. The Holy Spirit comes into us as we place our faith in Him. And the Holy Spirit is constantly there, convicting us, convincing us, showing us, the right way, speaking to us in our hearts that we shouldn't do that or we should do these things? Are we resisting him? 
Are we listening to that still small voice of God in our hearts in obedience to Him? Not grieving Him. It says we've been sealed for the day of redemption. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Is that promise of the Father to give us the strength to be obedient to Him. Am I getting up in the morning and asking the Lord to fill me with this Holy Spirit? Am I walking in that Spirit, asking the Lord as I face decisions throughout my day and challenges, things that are even the most mundane things? Am I asking the Lord for wisdom and direction and guidance? Am I being thankful to Him when things work out? Or have I just put God off to the side? We need to have this intimate, close relationship where Christ is our all in all in our lives. Verse 31, he says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then he says, here's the putting on. Be kind to one another. Are we kind to each other? Do we have love for one another? Are we tender-hearted towards brothers and sisters in Christ, towards one another? Do we forgive one another, or are we unforgiving, even as God in Christ forgave you? We're called to practical things in our walk with Him, and we submit to Him. And in, in submitting to Him, then as we have this relationship with Him, as we're abiding in Him, as His Spirit is doing a work in our hearts and our lives, then these things are the fruit of the Spirit, of God's work in our heart and our lives. And then we have chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. That's following Him. Again, go, going back to the picture of the team of oxen, imitating, following along, going where we're, we're led, And being with him. And walk in love. As Christ has also loved us. And given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice. For a sweet smelling aroma. Is what we're called to as believers. That's discipleship. It's knowing Christ. No longer walking as free agents. Which really is just bondage to the flesh and sin. But uh, having given themselves over to these things. But having learned Christ, having heard him, being taught by him, putting off the old man, that old yoke, and putting on new, the new man, that new yoke of submission to Christ. And ultimately then being an imitator of him, being trained by him, his apprentice, his disciple, following him to learn from him. Turn with me to Second Timothy. Chapter 3. Verse 14. So we have the example. We have the things we're called to. If we've placed our faith in Christ, we have repentance from sin, we have forgiveness for our sins. We should have a change in our lives to now where we're following him. There's more than just the one action. Verse 14, it says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. 
And he's writing, Paul here, he's writing to Timothy, his disciple, a young pastor who had lived his life uh, as a believer in Christ, following Paul around and being taught by him. And Paul's telling him, continue in those things which you've learned. You learn them, but, but as disciples, we never stop learning. We never stop growing. We never stop continuing on and, and, and being obedient to him. But continue in those things which we've learned and been assured of. And he's reminding Timothy, knowing from whom you've learned them. You learned them from me, Timothy. From, from Paul. Paul, who is an apostle of Christ. Who, who is a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. And then he reminds him that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. We should never stray from the Word of God. That's being a disciple. To submit ourselves to the Word of God. To not be offended by it and then walk away. But to be in submission to what God's Word has said. To know it. Because this is what he tells Timothy. Which are able to make you wise for salvation. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is practical use of knowledge in your life. It says it's able to make you wise for salvation. You've been saved. To work out your salvation is in submission to the scriptures of God. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Trusting him. And then that's what he says. Verse 16. This famous verse. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, or God breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, right teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Submission to the Lord is submission to his word, to the Holy Spirit. That's discipleship. That's following him. Willfully choosing when I read the word of God and it grates against my flesh or against my understanding to set aside my feelings, my understanding, my uh, reaction to it and saying this is what God's word says and I must be obedient to it. That makes you wise for your salvation, how to apply it in your life. Saying Lord I'm going to obey you and not resist. That's discipleship, following him. And then we have that work of God in our lives where now we're being made complete, made perfect, made full, thoroughly equipped for every good work, then being prepared for the things God has for us, following him to be his uh, disciple, to learn from him. Philippians 4.9, again, Paul, he's speaking to the church here, and he's reminding them in Philippi, says, The things which you learned and have heard and, and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. We're called to learn from those who follow Christ, truly. We have the New Testament, his disciples, his apostles who wrote the New Testament, and the teachings that Christ gave to them. Again, like Paul said in 2 Timothy here, the scripture, all scripture, is God-breathed, inspired of God, his infallible word, and it's profitable for training in righteousness. We've learned them. Have you learned of God's word? Are you a student of God's word? Are you not only a reader of God's word, but a student studying it, delving deep in it, learning doctrine, Learning wisdom for salvation. And then receiving it. Being obedient to it. He says, and heard and saw in me. And then he says, these do. 
and the God of peace will be with you. See, when we're not resisting against the word of God, when we're not resistant against the Lord, then we have peace with him. We have that yoke that's easy, that burden that's light, being his disciple that he's bearing. Titus 3.14, Paul writing to that young pastor, he says, Let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. There's a learning to maintain, to continue in it, to not just have an intellectual assent to these things, but to practice them, practical obedience. And then we have fruitfulness. We have uh, a life that is being used by the Lord to meet needs of others, to bear the fruit of the Lord. Like uh, our pastor said last week, we're called to be curious about the Lord, and then we move from curiosity to being convinced of who he is and what he's done and the truth about him and us, and then moving from that to being committed to him. To following him. In this committed position then we're growing. We're maturing. We're maintaining good works. We're being discipled and trained by him. It's a constant state again of submission to him. Of learning the bounds that he's bound us in. Of those boundaries. I was talking to Pastor Dan. uh, 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 I think it was last week or so. And and he he told me. He said I'm learning as a, a pastor the, the older I get, that I'm growing more and more narrow in my convictions and in, 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 in my ministry and in these things. And, and narrowness is not a narrowness of, of being stubborn and unwilling, but it's a narrowness because Christ has bound us into these things, given us convictions, given us a calling on our lives, direction that he's called us to. As Christians, we have liberty in him. And it's a beautiful liberty. It's freeing for us to say, I know what's God, what God has called me to. I know the path he's set before me. And I'm going to walk in it. I don't have to say, should I go this way or that way? This is the way God's called me to. And I'm going that direction. Then the narrow path that if you're fighting against it is difficult to get through. But if you're submitted to the Lord, it's an easy straight path. Where you're walking forward with him. And that's what he's called us to. The goal uh, of coming under that yoke as an untrained ox is to be yoked with that mature, experienced ox to be disciplined for growth and maturity and strength and training and learning. And what's the next thing? As you then become experienced, as you then have strength, as you then begin to walk with the Lord, then you're making disciples like we're called to. That's the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples, right? That's what we're called to. Are you making disciples of Christ? Are you fulfilling the Great Commission? Are you telling others about him and then leading them as God has called you and led you? I feel, I know that the modern day church is very poor at making disciples, We see that around us. We're very good at sitting and listening. But we're not very good at acting upon what we're being taught. And living it out. And then going and making disciples. Seeking out people that God has placed in our lives. To go from 
sharing the gospel with them or saying, hey, come to church with me. Those are good things. Obviously, sharing the gospel with them is what we're called to. But that's just the beginning. We're called to then disciple, to show them by our examples, by our lives, how God has taught us to be submitted to him. It's a constant following with the Lord. And that's what he's called us to. It's following him. And he wants us to be in submission to him. Turn with me to John 10. I'm almost done here. So we have the picture of the ox and this yoke and following Christ in submission to him. But our mindset should not just be, I'm, I'm here bearing this load. That's why he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Our mindset should be, here's our good shepherd who's, following, who's leading us and we're following him. That should be our mindset where we're just, we're just a sheep following the shepherd. He says, most assuredly, verse 1, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So he's saying he's the true shepherd. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. What do we see here? We see his sheep, the ones who are following him. They hear his voice and know him. There's the hearing and then the response. And then that relationship. The sheep know the shepherd's voice because they've been with him. From birth all the way up to maturity. They've continued with him. A sheep that flees the sheepfold and goes away isn't trained to know their master's voice. To remain with him. To hear his voice and to know him. To have that relationship. And then his sheep are also known by the shepherd as they're remaining with him. He knows those who are his. That's a beautiful thing to rest in. That if we're hearing his voice, if we know him, if we're following him, he knows us. That means he knows our needs. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our temptations. He knows our very inmost thoughts. He knows us. And that's a beautiful thing. That means we can trust him and be like just a trusting sheep following our shepherd. And that's what we see. The sheep, they follow their shepherd. They go where he goes. They follow his example. He leads them out, calls them by name, and brings out his own sheep, he says. He goes before him, before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We follow his example. John thirteen 16, we're told, Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. Jesus is our example. That's following him. We're his servants. We're not greater than him. The things that he's called us to, to love one another, we're to be obedient to him. Toward each other. A servant's not greater than his master. He, he says again in John 15, verse 20, Remember this word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And then he says, If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 
If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. We're not greater than our master. We follow him despite the difficulties, despite the resistance, despite the persecution. We follow him because he's our shepherd and he protects us. He, he keeps us safe. He leads us to where he wants us to go. That means we just follow him. And that last part, I think we, oftentimes we kind of neglect when we're looking at these illustrations. But this last part is very, very, very important for us as disciples of Christ, the following him. It says, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Are you aware of the false teaching around us? Are you aware of what is true and what is right in the scriptures? When you hear something on YouTube or on a video or a movie or reading something in a book, do you know his word and his will for your life enough to say, this is not of Christ. This is not what he wants for me. This is not what he's called me to and to flee those things. Or are you just open and willing to accept whatever you hear and read of somebody who says they're a Christian or says this is the truth or what is right. We're called to question everything except for Christ. We follow him and then we resist the strange voices to flee from them. What's contrary to our learning? That's being a disciple. A disciple knows what his master has taught him and doesn't listen to the other things. Romans 16, 17, it says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them, what we're told to. We need to have holiness, righteousness, submitted to the Lord, being holy and separate to Him. I don't have time because we're, we're out of time now, but I'd encourage you tonight, in light of these things, to read through Psalm 23. Beautiful, you know, it's a well-known psalm. But read it in, in, in the light of being a disciple of Christ, in submission to him. We, we read it or hear it and think of it as a beautiful psalm of comfort and blessing. But it's more than that. It's a psalm of following the Lord and being submitted to him. And, and willfully choosing to give up our, our own desires and give up the things that the world tells us we need and should have and to follow him. And to just be obedient to him. And then we have those things that are the comfort. That are the blessing in following him. We need to ask ourselves these questions. Number one, the most important thing. Do I know Jesus? Do I know him? Do I know him personally? Intimately? Is he my master? Is he truly my Lord? We pray all the time. Lord, please help me. Lord, 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 Lord. Do we know what a Lord is? A Lord is one who rules over his subjects. Lord is the one whose word is the law that is followed. Have I submitted to him? That's being a disciple. Have I moved beyond a mental acknowledgement of him as my savior to having a disciple-teacher relationship with him, to be instructed by him, to be disciplined by him, right? A father rebukes his son because of his love, right? We're rebuked by the Lord. We're taught by the Lord. We're disciplined by him. Are we his disciple? Are my outward life, my inward life, and, and my habits, the things that I just do kind of out of instinct, a true representation of being a disciple of Christ? He wants our whole lives, not just the outward things, 
He wants our inward life, the attitudes of our heart, and not just those, our habits to be of him. A lot of times we have this weird idea about our habits that they're something that can't be broken, that it's just who I am, it's just a, it's a habit I have. But Christ has called us to new life in him. And if that habit is, is sinful or, or wrong or, or he's convicting us of it, then he can give us the strength and wants to give us the strength to be free from those things and to have new habits. Habit of being in the word of God daily. Of praying and being thankful and submitted to him constantly. Of praise towards him. And those habits that are good. The things to learn from him. And to be a representation of, of following him. Are my feelings being conformed to the will of God? That's a hard thing. Our feelings come out of our flesh. What are we told in the scriptures? Take every thought captive. Right? Whatever's noble, whatever's pure, whatever's true, whatever's good. Think on these things. When our feelings come up and our feelings resist what the word of God says or the conviction of the spirit or what is righteous and true, what a brother or sister in love is coming to us and saying, hey, this is not right. Are our feelings controlling us or are we conforming them to the will of God? That's what we're called to. Are my relationships with others right in God? It's not just us. It's our relationships. Are they right in God's eyes? In his eyes? Do you have anger, bitterness, unforgiveness towards your brother and sister? Do you have a hard heart towards your brother or sister? Do you just have a nonchalant attitude about others' needs, about the people around you? Or is your relationship right in God's eyes with others? Have I moved beyond the basics of the faith to the higher and deeper things of Christ, to perfection? Or am I just stagnant, just in the beginning stages? Hebrews 6, 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, the building blocks, the little basic things, your ABCs, he says, let us go on to perfection. Here's the elementary, the basic things that we should know and have down as Christians, as believers. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. We're not striving any longer for salvation. We're repenting from dead works. We're following Christ in faith. It says, and of faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms, having that settled, that, that, that we're, we're outwardly identifying with the work of Christ in our life and we're willing to show others that we're following him of laying on of hands, of the praying for one another, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection of the dead, that that will happen, that that's a promise that we have, and of eternal judgment. That's funny. Christian church, modern day, they don't want anything to do with eternal judgment. It's a new thing where they say hell, it's not a new thing, but, but it, it's, it's becoming more and more popular to say hell doesn't exist, that it's made up, that judgment is not eternal. It's either annihilation or, or maybe torment for a short time and then annihilation. But what does Paul say? He says this is an elementary principle of Christ, that there is eternal judgment. Those are the basic things we're called to have. Have we moved on from struggling about those things? Not that we shouldn't have questions. Not that we shouldn't 
study them and look at them, but to move on from them to where they don't shake our faith and say, 